All right, get more Star Wars from the Back to Tank each and every month when you sign up to be a Patreon pledger. Head over to patreon.com slash Digital and pledge $5 or more a month, and you will gain access to more Star Wars from the Back to Tank discussions, ranging from book reviews, comic book discussion, and additional topical breakdowns, news, updates, you name it, we do it. Head over to patreon.com slash Digital. Pledge. It helps us keep the lights on in the studio. If you don't, we're going to be living in rags like Ray. <laughs> Warning from the back to tank contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue. We would be honored if you would join us. Workups on your condition indicate that all damage has been reversed. Recovery is total. I believe you have been quite fortunate. No further thanks are necessary, Commander, but you are most welcome. It is my function and pleasure as a medical droid to help and heal human beings. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Hello and welcome to Star Wars from the Back to Tank. I am Michael Flores, the host, and I'm flying in a Back to Tank inside of a Star Wars TIE Fighter. (laughs) Hello, Dave. How's it going? All right. So today we're going to be talking about Star Wars TIE Fighter number two. We are continuing our discussion on this fantastic series written by Jody Hauser. But before we get into issue number two, Dave, we have to correct ourselves on a few things during our last discussion. Uh, We had mentioned that Star Wars TIE Fighter takes place after Return of the Jedi and between Force Awakens, but apparently it no one knows when it happens. Uh, According to various websites, even Star Wars' own website (laughs) They say that this story takes place in the last days of the Galactic Civil War. When is that, Dave? <laughs> That's at the end of Return of the Jedi. But then the actual the official synopsis says it takes place after the destruction of the first Death Star and after the annihilation of the rebel base on Hoth. Yes. Then you have another website also from Star Wars, saying that it takes place between New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. So three different sources, all from Star Wars, say different things. So I can only assume, Dave, that this story takes place in multiple timelines. <laughs> now, the PR is aligned. I should say it's, it's synced PR. They promoted this along with alphabet squadron, which also takes place apparently at the end of return of the Jedi or after return of the Jedi. After. So because tie fighters considered its sister piece, they're calling it. I'm assuming that's where a lot of the confusion happened. So just to be clear, this storyline appears based on the opening pages to take place after the destruction of Hoth. That's the best we got because, and honestly, 
the strength of this the, the strength of this story that they're telling it can fit anywhere yeah it doesn't really matter i'm wondering if it that's really why matter. it's kind of vague it's like well you know what and mm, we'll just fit our story somewhere in here in here yeah and i i can appreciate the fact that basically a lot of people want to know when exactly the timeline uh, when when this story fits in but also time should not the time frame should not affect the narrative. No, you know I mean? right. That's just a place for us fans can understand where the story is and what the relevance is when it comes to the grand Star Wars canon timeline. But yes, the the events of this story and when it takes place doesn't really matter because this is such an intimate story. It's about a moment and it's about how these people handle themselves in scenarios that are very realistic. Yeah, it, it, very, it really reminds me this series... This speaks a lot to this series. Yeah. It, re- it reminds me of the feel you get when you watched Rebels. Yeah, it's very intimate. It's, I would agree it's with about that. the it's about these characters, this group getting together and being a squad, being a being a team. And this is one of the more mature titles. I feel that Star Wars has, or I should say, Marvel has churned out when it comes to the comic book front for Star Wars. Um, even some of the Star Wars, the main Star Wars title itself, there are times where it feels a little silly. Yes. And same thing um, with moments in the Vader series. Most of it's pretty serious and has a very mature tone, which I like. And I think that's needed for Darth Vader. But so far, just two issues in, the TIE Fighter series feels very adult. Yes. Very adult. And I definitely appreciate that, especially because you're dealing with very adult issues. Yeah, you're dealing with mature themes. And is, even with this issue, particularly how they ended it with the conversation of the two brothers, I really, I was like, going, you know what? I appreciate some uh, in, in-depth look into that character with that. Yeah. Because you don't, you, I think a lot of people have to appreciate it when we get a chance to see character depth, character growth. And you can only do that with mature themes like this. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. I'm totally digging the dual stories in each of these comic books, the immediate narrative that you have in the opening pages. And then you have in the last two or three pages, you have the whole several days ago narrative. Yes. It's an interesting way to bring uh, that more nuanced, intimate look at our characters. We get 17 18 pages of the broad or main story idea, then a look into a personal moment of one of our characters. In the last issue, it was Zim and her introspective thoughts of fighting people that were Imperial Academy trained, people that she felt should be fighting with us, not against us. And you saw that inner turmoil that she was struggling with, that she was remembering that storm, uh, the Imperial or the rebel helmet that just was floating with a blaster bolt through the helmet Uh, She was remembering the destruction of the Death Star and you got this idea that she was struggling with all of these deaths and to her they were just meaningless. She's all, why are people dying in such a meaningless way? We should be together, united, not fighting each other. And it it took a theme that Star Wars fans make jokes about where – Oh, the Death Star blows up but no one thinks about like all the people that just got – Yeah. Luke, Luke Skywalker's a mass murderer. Let's just say, yeah, that. Luke is a mass murderer. I'm sorry, but it's that, also that's war. That's not very pleasant. It's also war. It's war. Yeah, and in this one, I really dug the whole thing—the the conversation between the brother and the, the two brothers—and then 
seeing where they are parallel to each other. Yeah. And then you realize that the the one brother is like really sad because he's in this type of environment that his other brother isn't. Yeah. Well, it just caught me off guard. I didn't expect that type of story because in as you said in this issue you have Lighten. I believe that's how you say his name, Lighten, and a relatively simple story that just shows him talking with his brother about things that would seem rather mundane, right? They're just talking about each other's families. No different than a conversation that you or I would have with a family member. Nothing entirely relevant can be derived in the way of, I guess you could say, the bigger picture of Star Wars. But that's not really what this story is about, as you mentioned at the top of the show. It's not about the bigger picture of Star Wars. Jody Hauser's concept is about humanizing the enemy, not justifying the actions of a genocidal empire, but showing the regular people that can get swept or do get swept up in war. It's a very interesting ideological look into Star Wars politics. The fact that you have a very regular story. When do we ever get to see a moment like that in Star Wars, Dave? No, we haven't gone Never. in a while. I don't think we've ever seen a moment like that in Star Wars where it's just completely out of left field, but in a way that strengthens Hauser's theme to her storyline. It's not out of left field, meaning what the hell is this about? This has no point, no bearing on the story, but it does. But it does. It's fantastic. It really is. And I'm really hoping Jody Hauser writes a novel soon for Star Wars. I know she predominantly or works, I should say 100% on comic books on the comic book front, but I think she has the ability, Dave, to rival James Luceno's Tarkin novel, which yeah. in my opinion is the best political Star Wars book ever. Well, especially with the vibes you get in just alone, these first two issues, it definitely has the same vibe of Tarkin where they're trying to show that basically the person behind the uniform type thing. Right. You know, and in a lot of ways it, it softens the image of the empire and kind of strengthens the thought process that at the end of the day, this is a story about war. These are people. These are people. These are still people. Yeah. You know, yes, Darth Vader, Palpatine, they're evil, but some of those, storm in my opinion, the Jedi are evil. Some of those stormtroopers weren't, they just were just doing a job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? I mean, yeah, dude. And that's why I'm saying Hauser, they can't give her a writing job fast enough. In my opinion, give her a damn novel to write. And, and like I said, Luceno's work up in the, up to this point, when it comes to Tarkin to me was the, uh, you know, probably the best political star Wars book and forget star Wars forget that title for a second. It was a good book on politics and yes. learned, ideology and the effects of upbringing and classism and Hauser's work can be looked at in the very same way. Forget Star Wars for a second. Forget the title. Forget the, the glitz and glamour and the, the pop culture relevance of Star Wars. Look at the story that's being told. That's what it's about. It's not about the Star Wars title. That's all flashy and bright and big and huge. Yeah. The million dollar licensing that you need it's about the story. And that's what I felt Tarkin did that book. And now Jody Hauser is doing the exact same thing in a comic book format. I feel like she is perfect to write the next political Star Wars book. Oh, no, absolutely. Wouldn't you like to see that? I would love that. Especially I'm going to say something that might be a little bit 
controversial for a lot of Star Wars fans out there. Everyone talks up uh, the Thrawn series that's been released so far. Yeah. But quite honestly... Have you read through them all already? I've read through... uh, I'm actually right through the third one right now. Okay. But uh, so far, I'm like looking at this and saying, this series just is trying to carry on throughout the entire story based around the novelty of Thrawn. It's not as deep politically as like you could get with say like Tarkin or with what Jody Hauser's doing in TIE Fighter. Right. And well, I, I think the Thrawn book, Dave, what that trilogy is doing, and this is a rumor that's been going around lately just to get off subject for a second. I think the Thrawn book is less about the subtleties of realism and war and more about the bigger picture of Star Wars. There's a lot of speculation that that trilogy this whole time is actually the bridge that will get us past episode nine. Past episode nine. And I I understand that. I understand that. But wouldn't you like to have actually gotten something that we got out of Tarkin or got out of TIE Fighter Mm -hmm. and instead gotten more out of Thrawn? You know? Listen, you're asking me if I want solid substance, Dave. Solid substance. Yeah. And it, it... I want Jody Hauser to write the next book. I really do. I wonder why she hasn't. I'm a, I can only imagine with her abilities in writing comics. I'm thinking that how can she not have the same know-how and, and translate that into a book yeah. or drive? And maybe she doesn't. Maybe that's not what she wants to do. Maybe she doesn't want to write books. Do we know if she's ever written a novel? Because I, I know. know from the Star Wars side of things, she's only done comic books. She has written the uh, Star Wars Rogue One adaptation. She also wrote the Star Wars Thrawn adaptation. Star Wars Forces of Destiny, the Ray story. Uh, Poe Dameron Annual 2. Star Wars Age of Republic, which we reviewed, I believe, on Patreon. And then right now, currently, Star Wars TIE Fighter. And then she's other, her other known works is Amazing Spider-Man, Renew Your Vows. Yeah, mostly, mostly she's been in comics because like, uh, she's coming, she's coming off of like doing Stranger Things and adaptation of Stranger Things and everything. That's a waste of talent. And then like, I like her. I just looked at her picture up too. (laughs) It's a little book nerd. Come here, Jody. (laughs) But like. I I absolutely want her. I, I'm really I want her, but I absolutely. Too late. I already claimed her. I absolutely look like, at uh, look at us like cavemen. Me, me, like Jody Hauser. I really like the, the the format that she chose for her storytelling, particularly in this and Tie Fighter. Just like what you said about like separating it between showing the narrative and then giving us those little another side story of the characters just to actually give us some in-depth knowledge into the, into her characters. And I thought that taking that format is a little risky because you're trying to, you're, you're trying to tell two separate stories for a comic book audience that basically says, just give me one solid story. Yeah. You know what? She's only written comic books. Hey, listen, I think she needs to branch out. I honestly think she should. I mean, she has such an, an interesting approach to story development for comics. What she's been able to actually do, not just with TIE Fighter, but also with like the stories that we've covered in Age of the Republic mm-hmm. and all of that, it shows her talent to actually give an in-depth personal story that 
is engaging and could possibly be branched out into more. You could actually dive more into it and actually tell a bigger story that's being told. I'm going to send her a love letter online. I'm like, dear Jody Helzer, I am a a fan and I like you. (laughs) Like my tweet. If you like me back. (laughs) 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 Yeah, right. That's a good way to get blocked. (laughs) But also the, 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 uh, one thing that a lot of people, a lot of people overlook too, is the fact that, I think the teaming of her with Rose Antonio. Oh man, they're a good team. Antonio's a freaking phenomenal artist. I really I never, dig the artwork, dude. I never took a look at his artwork fully until the last time we covered uh Tie Fighter number one. Does it have a little bit of an anime flair to it or a manga flair, I should say? It kinda does. Manga. It kinda does. There's a certain style to it at first that I didn't think I didn't think was unique. But if I looked at a lot of Antonio's past work in his portfolio, he is damn good. And the fact that he's able to actually take a script and follow what Jody wants to say, I think is a testament to him as a, not just as an artist, but as a comic book artist, because that is a skill that basically a lot of people don't realize artists in comic books have to have. They have to be able to take something from script and put it down on paper. Yeah. And they have to follow orders from the story artist. There's many times that basically there's some great artists out there, but they suck at listening to the writer. And then you can tell in the comic book that basically the artist just is just drawing whatever he wants. Yeah. And there's no, there's nothing to it. And well, I like, well, I see, I like, there's a, a unique aspect in this comic book. I want to say in the opening two pages, and I don't know if that's from a scripting standpoint and Jody Hauser did that, or if that was a Roche standpoint or a Roche decision, but I love seeing how they chose to have the type pilots, um, shadow wing talk to each other. And they just simply have a large panel. So you can see all their ships together and they just create little character bubbles and you see each face. So you know, who's talking above each of their ships. I like that. I've never seen that done in a star Wars comic book before. Yeah. So if to me, when you can do, and I read a lot of comics. So in this day and era, when I've read so many comic books and you manage to do something slightly different, hmm, interesting. I've never seen that done before. That's definitely worth some accolades because you're managing to bring something new to an art form that has been around for as long as dirt has been existing in existence. Like it's just an old art form. So if you can manage to bring something new to it, I mean, that's quite an achievement. It is. Um, now, besides that little backstory with Lighten, we get uh, the immediate evolving narrative that tells a story between, well, I say post, we'll say post uh, New Hope, a story about shadowing our elite Thai pilots and their struggle to understand the political fallout. That's what's really interesting about this issue. To understand, they're trying to struggle, they're struggling to understand the political fallout and war after things begin to fall apart with the destruction of the Death Star. Uh, Political allegiances shift as officers catch the scent of blood in the water. Once the perception of what was perceived as immovable or an immovable force is cracked, things unravel quickly. Yes. And we see some of that in this issue with Admiral uh, Grolo, 
I, I, Gratlow. Is that how you can say his name? I think it's I think it's Gratlow with uh, Admiral Gratlow taking advantage of the aftermath of the Death Star failure. And I like this because this was really the beginning of the end for Palpatine and the Empire when that first first Death Star exploded. It shows that Luke Skywalker win was much bigger than just simply the destruction of an Imperial space station, but it sowed the seeds of doubt. It showed just what type of impact Luke Skywalker's win did for the Rebel Alliance because it started to sow seeds of unrest within the ranks of the Empire. And you see that with Admiral Gratlow, a man that before the destruction of the Empire might not have or the destruction of the Death Star might not have ever even considered creating his own facet breaking off a splinter cell, I guess, a splinter facet of the Imperial Army, claiming an outpost for himself and saying, this is my mining outpost. Now, I deserve it. Yes. But it goes to show you how war is won and what happens with actions of war. Again, another more intimate look at the going-ons of war and what happens behind the scenes. Most people tackle the broad strokes of war. Person A attacks person B. Yes. Person A wins, person B loses. But what happens in between? Usually we don't find this out. Even history books don't go into what happens in between. Jody Hauser is going in between. And and the thing that I really do appreciate is like, just like what you said, they took a concept that's really simple that a lot of writers do with war stories. Like in particular with this, they took a character, Admiral Gratlow, who kind of comes off at first as kind of like the rat escaping the sinking ship. Right. You had the Death Star just blow up. And then Admiral Gratlow goes, you know, peace out. I'm going to take this Imperial outpost and we're not, we're staying out of the war. <laughs> and it, 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 they first pose it as that, but then when they, when you more nefarious in that. more to it, it's nefarious, but it's also kind of understandable because like a you, person that's a rat would do exactly what you said. He would scurry, run, and hide. He would get hide. he would get in a shuttle and take off without his troops. He would just leave. Yes. Okay. General Grievous. <laughs> yes. Okay. He doesn't care about anyone. Doesn't care about riches and riches and wealth. He's out. Yeah. Admiral Gratlow is a little more sinister than that. The fact that this guy wants to carve himself out a niche from the Imperial. I should say the aftermath of an imperial destruction. Yes. And take advantage of the system. Take advantage of death. Take advantage of loss. Kill his own soldiers. Soldiers. In order to achieve his own desires for greed. Now that's an enemy that yeah. I can get behind and, and learn more about their story because that's interesting. And compare it compared to what we got. Now we all love General Grievous. But if oh, they yeah. did this with General Grievous... You would actually be more interested in General Grievous. Possibly. Although General Grievous had his point. Yes. And maybe that was a bad comparison for, on my part. General Grievous it, had a point. It's in not a bad comparison trilogy. because I thought about it. I honestly thought about it when I looked at Admiral Gratlow and I'm like, oh, it's basically General Grievous character. But, but, but there's would, more to it to it. With General Grievous, though, there he had a sense of honor. I don't. Gratlow, Gratlow does not have honor. Yeah. Grievous had honor. He didn't sense blood in the water and bail. He bailed so he could survive to fight another day. That was what Grievous did. 
when he found out about Dooku's death, his goal wasn't to end the war. He was going to keep fighting. Gratlo sensed blood, smelled blood in the water, and decided to bring home some riches for himself. Yeah. Well, I mean, my favorite, my favorite point in the comic is, uh, in, in regards to Gratlo was like his conversation with one of the pilots when she says, you don't, you didn't give your life to the empire if you're still alive. Right. And then he basically looks at him and kind of shrugs it off, goes, ah, semantics aside, I have room for good people here. I want to build something new, something that we can all profit from. Yeah. And that's the, just with that statement right there, you automatically already set aside that Grantlow is really skeezy, <laughs> but he's unpredictable. He's unpredictable. And he's kind of, uh, and he's interesting. He's He's interesting. And I'm hoping we get more of him again. I have not read ahead. I'm reading as we cover. So we will get into that at a later time. Dave, this does conclude our discussion on issue two of tie fighter written by Jody Hauser do you have any final thoughts? Final thoughts on this issue. This was another really strong issue. I I still say that people should be bring uh, should be reading this series. This should, got, this should be a series on TV. Oh yeah, yeah. If Jody Hauser were to actually become a writer and make this into a TV show, I think this would be a win. Yeah. You know we we've been talking about like how Disney streaming services and everything else and all the series that they're coming out. But quite honestly, if they were to turn this series into a, into a streaming service series, I think it'd be a huge hit. And you would see like these five characters, they become major fan favorite characters that fans could get behind. And it would be a positive series for the, for the franchise. So overall, I do think that a lot of fans out there, you need to be reading this series right now. It's really cool. It's quick. It's it's really engaging. It's quick to engage your your interest. So definitely pick it up. All right. Thank you, everybody. And thank you, David. Thank you. May the force be with us. Ah, oh, yes. <laughs>